I invite you to take your Bibles out of the pew rack in front of you and turn to the book of Hebrews that is in the back of the New Testament. We are in this book for the duration of this month and next month, and it is a rich, rich book. I hope you are reading it on your own. Some people say that they're not quite sure what to do with Jesus Christ and who he is as a part of the Trinity. And this book is all about who Jesus is. And the first week, we were in a passage that was basically making the case in this prolonged sermon that Jesus is better than the angels. Then last week, Ian Hamilton was preaching on a passage talking about how Jesus is better than Moses. For the Hebrew people, that was saying a lot. And today our passage is about how Jesus is better than any high priest. It will be helpful for us to remember what a priest does. We don't come from that tradition, but the people to whom this letter book is addressed did come from that tradition. So a priest, I've heard it described in a way that's helpful to me, a priest is someone who faces two directions. A priest faces God and brings the concerns of the people and the sacrifices and the confessions and the offerings of gratitude into the holy place on behalf of the people to God. So facing God on behalf of the people. The priest also faces the other direction, faces the people, and actually communicates to the people God's will, God's word, God's message, God's interpretation, um, so that they understand what God is up to in the world. And in a very powerful way, priests were the way that the people prayed. That's how they communicated with God. They had the Psalms, but the interpretation back and forth in very tangible ways went through the priest. So as you hear this passage today, it isn't just trying to help us understand what priests do. There's a purpose and a point, and I hope you hear it as I read the passage. And the point is, pray. Pray boldly. We have this amazing high priest, so pray boldly. And I would add this. Look out for the answer. All right, let's pray as we go to scripture. We're going to be in Hebrews 4, verses 14, all the way into chapter 5, verse 10. Listen, let me pray as we prepare to listen. I know we're having problems with the sound system, but we'll keep working on this. God, as even as we uh, adjust our sound system, we actually, more than anything, want to hear you. We want to hear you speak to us, and we want to be your people in this world that you love. So we pray that by the power of your spirit, we will hear in this scripture and through the words that I speak. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 4, verse 14. Listen to God's word to you. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. This is the gift of God's word. Thanks be to God. Pray boldly. That's what this preacher in Hebrews wants the people to do. Come to God's throne of grace. Pray with boldness, with confidence, with hope. You know, there are certain songs that can't stand the test of time. The Psalms are certainly those. And more recently, there is a song that I've been thinking of, especially when I'm in this Hebrews passage. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And those of you that know this hymn know that it keeps on going, and with each verse, there is this relentless plea to take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. And it kind of begs the question, why don't we take it to the Lord in prayer? When we don't, why don't we? I asked that question at street church last Wednesday night, and some of the answers that came back were, we think we can handle it ourselves. Or we don't think God sees or really cares. What good will it do? And the passage I just read to you out of Hebrews seems to be eager to answer the question, why pray? And the answer that comes back is because we have this unbelievably fabulous high priest in Jesus Christ, 
incomparable high priest in Jesus Christ. Human priests are appointed by God, but Jesus is God, the Son of God, fully representing who God is to us. Human priests are sinful. They have to atone for their own sins. Jesus is without sin. But here's the most important point that is made over and over and over again, even earlier in Hebrews, and that is Jesus understands. He understands our weakness. He entered fully into human frailty, vulnerability, and weakness without sin. So you might think, okay, he doesn't really understand. But no, he understands our weakness. He's been tested in every way that we've been tested. And so there is this desire for us to know there is a great high priest who wants to extend grace and mercy. Therefore, let us draw near to God's throne of grace because God is eager to be merciful and to give grace to help in time of need. Take it to the Lord in prayer is the plea. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And I would add, look out for the answer. A few Thursdays ago, I went to the prayer breakfast, the national prayer breakfast that is uh, in our community. It supports the work of Service League, the work of Hope House, which is a ministry that we support. It's not literally a ministry, but it is a ministry helping women stay out of jail and get clean and sober. The highlight of that prayer breakfast was this testimony that was given by a graduate, an alum of Hope House named Alex Kennedy. She stood up there and she told her story. And her story was pretty remarkable because it started on 17 Mile Drive in Carmel. A very wealthy family. She grew up with tennis lessons and golf lessons and their family holidays were celebrated in the country club. And yet when she hit high school and she started to get high, particularly on meth, she dropped out of high school. She moved in with her dealer and things over the next several years, as happens with an addiction like that, spiraled into this downward cycle of burning bridges and doing anything she could to get money for her next high. So eventually she ended up on the streets here in Redwood City, homeless, actually living in a parking lot. She said the lowest low for her was when she got evicted even from the parking lot. She described how she grew up considering herself an atheist. She thought of herself as an atheist because nobody could prove to her that God was present. And yet, she also had an experience with her, what she called her grandmother's angel. She said her grandmother's angel was very real to her and was with her wherever she went. Well, as she hit bottom, she found out that she was pregnant, which surprised her because she thought in the state that she was in, emaciated, probably only about 80 pounds, had lost much, many of her teeth. She was kind of surprised that she even could get pregnant. Her first inclination was to terminate the pregnancy because in her words, and she said this choking up, 
She didn't think she was worthy to be a mother. But she said her angel showed her a different path that led her to Hope House, where she gave birth to her son in safety. And she also became clean and sober. So there she was, standing in front of us, this beautiful woman, clean and sober, the mother of a very healthy and happy son, just finishing community college, getting ready to transfer to San Francisco State University. Really a remarkable story. But it didn't end there. She talked about how she obviously was no longer an atheist, but what she described next was that she became a priest. She never was put into prison, but she decided to go regularly, and she still does, go regularly into the jail to visit with the women. Why? Because she wants to encourage them to be that face of the gentleness, the understanding, the compassion, the mercy of God in Jesus Christ and encourage them if she can make it, if God cares for her, they can make it too. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Jesus, our great high priest, not only alive to her, but through her to other people. Remarkable. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. I do think that's what Hebrews is trying to say. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Pray boldly. But I've got to say, the end of this passage troubles me a little bit. Look out for the answer. Jesus prayed boldly. He prayed boldly, we are told, in the days of his flesh. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, or maybe we're thinking Gethsemane. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, am I the only one that's troubled by this? He prayed boldly. And what do you think he was praying for? I want this cup to pass from me. I do not want to face this horrific death. And we get the impression, as he's praying to the one who's able to save him from death, that he's answered, he's heard. But he gets crucified. So how was he heard? And how was it that God answered him? In a way, we are told in this passage that he was able to be obedient to his calling to be God's high priest, to show the face of God's compassion and God's mercy and grace in the darkest corners of our world. 
There he was, the only innocent one in the world. Not dangerous, not armed. He sensually lynched and shamed and humiliated in the darkest place where grace and mercy were most needed, where grace to help was most desperately desired. God was there in Jesus Christ, and it's there that he became the eternal source of salvation for all who obey him. Alex Kennedy at the prayer breakfast Perhaps the moment of salvation was not just when she got clean and sober and got her life back on track, but when she became God's priest in that dark place in the prison. Pray boldly, but look out for the answer. Because I think the answer is not necessarily safety. The answer is that we become that face of God's compassionate presence and mercy and grace and love. A high priest in the suffering places of this world. The most impressive part for me of Jim Wallace's journey, Jim Wallace is the founder and head of Sojourners, is when he and the staff of Sojourners decided to go live in the worst neighborhoods in Chicago and then Washington, D.C. He said they lived in places that most people said were too dangerous to live in. In fact, when their family and friends came to visit them, the cab drivers didn't want to drive them there. They didn't want to go into the neighborhood. Most nights, they could hear gunshots. And he said that as they moved into that neighborhood, it became their people, their neighborhood. And he will never forget the day that the moving vans rolled up to the two houses that they were going to rent. And several of the children in the neighborhood, older children, said, we'll help you move if you give us all your used mattresses that were in the rental, which they were happy to do. They didn't want those nasty mattresses. They couldn't figure out what these kids wanted to do with them. But a few days later, the kids invited them to come down the street and to see what they did with the mattresses, which was they lined them all up and they became somewhat of a gymnastic studio outdoors for these really remarkably gifted urban gymnastic folks. In fact, they called themselves the Afrobats. And they were so good that they made, they won many tournaments. And as they followed the careers of these Afrobats, they discovered that they really weren't getting a good education at all. And so they started going in and tutoring in the homes of these kids. We have this compassionate high priest. And when we find grace and mercy to help heal in times of need, we don't enter into a place of comfortable remove. We become the face of the mercy. We become the face of the grace of God in Jesus Christ in those places that need it most. Even earlier this morning, those of you that have journeyed with cancer and you turn around and you are that voice of invitation to trust God and to pray, 
Those of you that have children with special needs and you turn around and you walk with parents that are overwhelmed with children with special needs. Those of you that have journeyed through your own pain with depression, with job loss, with suicidal tendencies, that God takes that suffering and leads you and leads you to a new day, but then leads you back into that place where you become the one that can say, pray boldly, there is a God who has been tested in every way, who cares deeply for the suffering you're going through, who will help you, who will save you. That, my friends, is the answer to our prayers. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. And we'll know when our prayers are answered, when God makes us like Jesus, when we become that friend, that face, that priest, inviting people to pray boldly. Because we have a high priest who sympathizes, who loves more deeply and more understandably and compassionately and graciously and mercifully than we can possibly imagine. So take it to the Lord in prayer. But look out for the answer. Amen.